The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Fernandez and put in by Ericsson. Christian Ericsson scores for Manchester United from very close range. It's Casemiro, Ericsson and Fernandez involved in that with Martial. All three midfield players with this final little pass across the box. And it's Ericsson who's sprinting forward. intelligent for Martial because as it came through to him he, well he wasn't offside but he thought he was it's broken for Elanga Bruno Fernandez to try and cut it back Eriksen's in again and he could have doubled up in the end he was a bit doubled up with disappointment Kearney Ream and what a save by David De Gea from Tim Ream, who really rose at the far post. The banks of the Thames. Here's William. Going to be bright. And Kenny supporting. And Dan James. Super sub. 1-1. He just doesn't get back in short at that far post. I think he could. But he doesn't, he just switches off. And James, who is sharp, just gets in front of him. Towards Ream. There's James trying to... Kalinia had the overhead kick and then it came for James, who's trying to place it in. Challenge now in the combination of Garnacho and Shaw trying to stand it up here for McTominay. And that, when you say he comes on to maybe stabilise things in midfield, he does give that kind of old fashioned striker option. He just scored. Garnacho might be the last attack of the game. Ericsson. Garnacho gets there. Manchester United have done it. He's had his critics, Gary. We talked about that. But goodness me, he's rather rammed a few words down a few throats here. A late, late winning goal for Manchester United. You are listening to what was supposed to be 
your final episode of BetMUFC until the resumption of the EPL season. That is no longer the case. On this episode, we will be looking at the Man United players going to the World Cup and looking at their prospects. And that was supposed to be the final episode that we were going to do. But now we are going to do another episode reacting to the Cristiano Ronaldo interview with Piers Morgan. I'm actually stunned at some of the stuff that I've seen. I've now watched both parts. I've just watched the second part about an hour ago. And I'm going to react to that on Saturday's edition of BetMUFC. So that will be the final episode, I think, unless something crazy happens during the World Cup involving Manchester United and we'll have to do another episode. But I think that Ronaldo reaction will be the final episode. So that will be in about 48 hours time from this one. This is still going to be the episode where we look at all the United players going to the World Cup and what their prospects will be. Of course, you are listening to BetMUFC and you can follow BetMUFC on Twitter at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. You can also follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast. It's at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. And of course, my Twitter account is at LockBetting.com. That's at LockBetting.com. The pin tweet on that Twitter account is the PL for the previous month over at LockBetting.com, where the service delivered 113 months in a row of transparent track profit. Sign up now for the World Cup because that's where I'll be releasing all of my official plays, including my futures. And that'll also be taking place in the next 48 hours. So looking at all of the Manchester United players going to the World Cup, starting from back to front, we begin with our goalkeeper, David De Gea. And David De Gea will not be going to the World Cup whatsoever. There was a preliminary squad picked a few weeks before the final squad. It had over 50 players in it. And David De Gea wasn't even in that squad. So that is a big snub for him. I don't think he'll ever play for Spain again, in my opinion. That's probably better for Man United because he can concentrate on club football. But overall, there remains question marks about David De Gea anyway in terms of the modern day game. Everybody seems to want this sweeper keeper. I think for Eric Ten Hag, he's always had that keeper. But ultimately, in David De Gea, what you have is a very, very good shot stopper. And is it more important to act as a sweeper keeper and contribute towards the play? Or is it important as a goalkeeper to simply keep the ball out of the net? How important is distribution and being able to sweep up compared to just outright keeping the ball out of the net, which David De Gea is still very good at. As far as Spain are concerned, they don't want no part of David De Gea. He's nowhere near their squad, so he won't be going to the World Cup. Moving forward on the right-hand side, we of course have Diego Dallo. Dallo has become a forever present in the Manchester United lineup. He occupies the right-back position for both Man United and he occupies that position for Portugal, where he's also a regular. I expect him to have a very, very good World Cup. As long as Portugal have a good World Cup, I think Diego Dallo is going to be a contender for that team of the tournament on the right-hand side. I think he's very, very underrated. And when you're looking at fullbacks across the board... In this position, I don't really think the quality is that high. I mean, the fact that some people think that Trent Alexander-Arnold is a world-class right-back and features in some people's world 11s as the right-back, it kind of shows you how weak fullbacks currently are in world football. For me, Hakimi is the best player on the right-hand side. But in Diego Dallo, 
I think we have somebody who is making a case to be in that top five. I think he is one of the top five right backs in the world already. I would take him over Trent because he does contribute attacking wise. And um, also he can actually defend unlike Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I look for Diego Dallo to have a decent World Cup with Portugal. On the left-hand side, um, our current first choice left-back is Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw is, of course, going for England. His prospects were handed a boost in terms of being in the starting eleven by the injury of Ben Chilwell. Now, there really isn't any competition for Luke Shaw in terms of being in the starting lineup unless England do implement the, the wing-back system and um, there could be competition there from Saka because Saka should be playing as a winger. But if the wing position is full and Gareth Southgate wants to shoehorn um, Foden or Grealish to be on the opposite side with Raheem Sterling, which would probably be Saka's position, then you would probably think that Saka would then be shoehorned in on the left hand, left hand side, making way for Luke Shaw, being that more attacking option, bearing in mind that England don't have the hardest group and they have to have some attacking intent and Saka may be a better attacking option than Luke Shaw. I don't think that's what Southgate is going to do. Southgate, even when coming up against these weaker teams, is somewhat of a defensive-minded manager and I do think Luke Shaw will start with the shirt and he will occupy either the left-back or the left-wing-back position for England. As for how far England actually go, I think it's key for England to win this group and initially when it was drawn, there was a lot of um, happiness a lot of joy about the fact that they'd drawn USA, Iran and Wales with some thinking that England would advance comfortably and win the group with a 100% record. That optimism is somewhat dampened by the fact that England have had a terrible run of results. England haven't won a single game in 2022. So that's not a good lead up to the World Cup. It's seen their price drop all the way from 550 plus 550 to plus 900. So that says a lot about England going into this tournament. And if they do win the opening game against Iran, that will be their first win of 2022. And that game is by no means a given because it's being played in the afternoon where the advantage lies with Iran as far as the heat goes. This World Cup was moved from the summer to the winter in order to get away from those excessive heats, but it's still going to be over 30 and the conditions are still going to favour Iran who are going to set up with a defensive block and it's going to be very frustrating for England to break this team down. So I don't think there's any gimmies in England's group, but if England do win, they do have an easier path. They avoid Holland who are likely to win Group A. So in a round of 16, they're looking at a Senegal team that won't have Sadio Mane, Ecuador or the hosts Qatar. They should be able to to come through that and then in the quarterfinals if the CD teams go through they'll meet France but I'm not high on France's chances and we'll talk about that in a second when we get to Rafa Varane so England could feasibly play Denmark who they beat in the semi-finals of the Euros and uh, that's if Denmark do win the group instead of France so there is a possibility for England to get to the semi-finals again in my opinion but they will have to win the group and they will need France to underperform. So why do I think France will underperform? That's because they are missing Kante and Pogba. That's a part of their midfield. That's their starting midfield lineup. So their replacements are youngsters that are coming in from Real Madrid in um, Tushimeni 
and Camavinga, along with uh, former Arsenal player Matteo Ganduzzi of Marseille. And these are the players that have been brought in to protect a French backline that does look solid on paper, but they haven't been solid in reality as of late. It's been far too easy to score goals against France. Rafa Varane of Manchester United is still the key defender here for France. And he suffered a worrying injury that actually resulted in Varane leaving the pitch in tears. So I don't know if he's going to be 100% ready for game number one. Benjamin Pavard has gone backwards since the last World Cup. He's not a regular starter with Bayern Munich. Jules Conde is, of course, a top defender who moved for big money to Barcelona. He should get the nod to start alongside Rafa Varane. But there are other options here when you're looking at Upper Meccano from Bayern Munich, Kanate of Liverpool and even William Saliba of Arsenal. This could mean Jules Kunde goes out on the right-hand side instead. Benjamin Pavard hasn't been playing well as of late. In fact, he's not even a regular starter with Bayern Munich. They also have um, Lucas Hernandez of Bayern Munich and Theo Hernandez of AC Milan, who will probably play on the left-hand side in the left-back position. So I believe it's all about Rafa Varane here, despite the fact they have a lot of other top defenders. He is the best defender. I still believe he's the best defender at Man United, despite the fact that Lissandra Martin has had such a good start to his Man United career. And I think it's important for France that Rafa Varane is fit and available to start this tournament. Because as I mentioned already, there is a possibility that Denmark could end up winning this group, which would give France a much more difficult game in the round of 16. In fact, they could potentially end up playing against Argentina very early on in the competition. So I think it's important to have Varane fit and ready, especially when your midfield is already missing Kante and Pogba to protect that defence. Moving forward, I already talked about Lissandro Martinez. I believe, in my opinion, that he has the best chance of returning home to Manchester United as a World Cup winner. Argentina, off the back of their win against UAE, are now riding a 36-match unbeaten run, which means they can level the world record recently set by Italy by um, avoiding defeat in their opening against Saudi Arabia, and they can break it in their second game against Mexico. That's not the only thing they're coming in with. They're also coming in with a Lionel Messi who has returned to his best form. He's had a blistering start to the season with Argentina, and as I've mentioned on other podcasts, he now has a supporting cast. It's not a case of Messi and and being the messy show with a whole bunch of average players around him, he has quality all around him. It's not just it's not just a few attacking players like it was previously when you had the Di Maria, Higuain, and Sergio Aguero. Now they have quality defenders. Lissandra Martinez of Manchester United is one of them, and next to him you have Christian Romero of Tottenham, who has shown how important he is because since he's been injured, Tottenham have suffered a significant dip. They've gone one nil down in a lot of games, and the key has been. The, the fact that Romero has been missing for them. So that's a very, very important defensive partnership. And as I said, with Argentina riding in this streak, many will say that Casemiro and Anthony of United have the best chance of returning home as World Cup winners. For me, it's Lissandra Martinez going with Argentina. The last defender that we'll talk about is Harry Maguire. He, of course, will be playing for England. 
I believe that he will start for England, despite the fact he hasn't been starting for Man United. It's the first time under Gareth Southgate his position is under question. He did start the, the last England game against Germany and he was very poor. He made mistakes. England conceded three goals. But ultimately, I still think he'll play. If it's a back two, he'll play with John Stones. If it's a back three, I believe he'll play with Eric Dyer until Carl Walker is fit enough to occupy his position on the right-hand side of the three centre-backs. So despite his dip in form, despite the fact he doesn't start for United, despite the fact he's probably the fourth choice centre-back at Man United, I do believe that Harry Maguire will start that opening game for England. Before we move on to the Manchester United midfielders, let me take a quick time out to tell you guys about Winbet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, Winbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on Winbet. Great promos, great odds and payouts are all happening now at Winbet. From boosted same-game parlays to live, in-game odds on every major sport, Winbet has what you need to win. If you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100 and get a $100 free bet. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you that sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Now, the offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions available at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state where play-free winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let me also tell you guys about the World Cup Contest. I'm, of course, talking about the SGPN World Cup free roll. There's a $250 cash prize and a $250 gift card to the winner. Enter today exclusively on the SGPN app. Make sure to check out all of the World Cup content as well over on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. And finally... Get your holiday shopping done early at the SGPN merch store. SGPN gear is the perfect stocking stuffer for the DGEN in your life. I wear tons of this stuff myself. Some of it is even four or five years old and it's still in mint condition because it's made by top sports manufacturers. Plus, from now until Thanksgiving, you can get 10% off when you use the promo code Dallas Sucks. So that's store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and the promo code Dallas sucks. Moving on to this Manchester United midfield, I already touched on Casemiro. And what can I say about Casemiro? He is the best at his position in the world. You could argue for Joshua Kimmich, but for me, it's Casemiro, a serial winner, a Champions League winner, and a Liga winner with Real Madrid, made the shocking move to Man United where he has made a significant difference when he plays and he will be a big player for Brazil. And Fred could also be a big player for Brazil because they've played a lot of games together. So don't be surprised to see Fred starting in this Brazil team, this this Brazil team for the first game because despite the fact that Man United fans aren't necessarily keen on Fred, 
he's seen very, very differently in Brazil and across Europe. And as I said, it would not surprise me to see him starting alongside Casemiro with either Paqueta or Neymar playing just in front of them, with Neymar now playing this this new role in front of the attacking line, a more creative role for Neymar, where he's less involved in scoring the goals and a lot more involved in assisting the players up top, where Brazil have a plethora of riches, including Manchester United's Anthony. But before we talk about him, let's talk about Christian Eriksen, who has made a miraculous comeback to football. It started with his move to Brentford, and now he's been phenomenal at Manchester United. He's been in the contention for player of the month every single month and now he will be a key player for Denmark once again at this World Cup. Last time out, we all know that the story surrounded Christian Eriksen's health. Denmark lost that opening game, but they were distracted by the the heart issues of Christian Eriksen. But after that, they managed to bounce back and carried themselves all the way to the semi-final without Eriksen, who is their best player. So I believe this team will be dangerous in this World Cup. And I think there's a real possibility that they could win the group, which would mean that France and Argentina have to play in the round of 16. So I'm expecting Eriksen to look good like he always does. He'll be the main man in this Denmark midfield. And I believe that he will have a good tournament. And I believe they'll play at least four matches in this tournament if they come runners up in the group then Denmark could be the ones who potentially play Argentina. And I do believe when they come up against Casemiro and Lissandro Martinez, Eriksen and his pals will be sent packing. As for Bruno Fernandes, he plays in a very, very talented Portugal team. But of course, the situation with Cristiano Ronaldo is overshadowing things. We've seen some videos where both Jao Cancelo and um, Bruno Fernandes were a little bit frosty towards Ronaldo, especially Fernandes. So that will be an interesting and unwanted dynamic for Portugal, who have a lot of talent and should be contenders here at this World Cup. When you look at their team from top to bottom, there are a lot of Portuguese fans who don't want Ronaldo to play. They feel like it restricts them. feels like they can only play a certain way. They feel like this team with all the talent they have shouldn't be playing around Ronaldo. They feel in Rafael Leal of of, uh, AC Milan, he gives them more options. He's more versatile. He allows them to play a more modernised way. And this is something that we're hearing across the board when it comes to Cristiano Ronaldo. This is something that Juventus complained about. They complained that how they had to adapt to Ronaldo and how they had to change too many things and how it was really, really difficult to get back to normal. We're hearing it from Manchester United where Man United finished second in the league and they had to change everything for Ronaldo. Now they're trying to play a more modernised style with the pressing and the fast movement of the ball and sitting in and trying to fast break with your pacey forwards. And with Ronaldo that doesn't really work. It doesn't work anywhere. And perhaps Portugal will suffer from this and that will mean that they fall short here at this World Cup. Ultimately, for Bruno Fernandes, he's a player who, for Portugal, has to end up playing on the left-hand side, something we've seen for Manchester United recently. We saw Bruno complaining about it in the Fulham game, saying that he was feeling left out of the game. So we could see him occupying that position for Portugal here more regularly. And that's largely down to the fact that they have to accommodate Cristiano Ronaldo. And um, we'll see. We'll see how big of a problem that is. We'll talk more extensively about Ronaldo 
on the um, on the next episode of Better UFC because that's going to be all about reacting to his interview. So I don't want to talk too much about him in Portugal here. I think we touch on it quite a lot there when talking about Bruno Fernandes. Anyway, um, we'll move on to the the other Manchester United forwards. Of course, there is Anthony. Anthony, I think, will find it difficult to get into the Brazil starting lineup, but that's no shame. Someone like Vinicius Junior of uh, of Real Madrid, he's not expected to start either. So there's no shame in that. But Anthony, his contributions will probably initially come off the bench. There may be an opportunity to play in game three. Once you assume Brazil have already won their first two games and decide to rotate a little bit. So I don't think this is going to be Anthony's breakout tournament on the worldwide stage. Just simply down to the fact that I don't think he's going to be in the initial 11. But we'll wait and see what happens as the tournament progresses. This is a squad game. And Brazil, the difference between Brazil and Argentina is the fact that Brazil do have the best squad in the competition. Their squad is far, far deeper than Argentina's. Argentina... I believe, are relying on their first 11, which is very, very strong. It's an 11 that, as I said, have been unbeaten in 36 games and won the Copa America ahead of Brazil last time out. But Brazil have a lot of depth, especially when you're looking at someone like Anthony and Vinny Jr. of Real Madrid being on the bench. Looking at the other striking options for Man United, um, Anthony Martial isn't going. Christopher and Cuckoo pulled out, injured, so Leipzig's and Cuckoo won't be there. There were rumours that Anthony Martial will be called up. He hasn't been. Uh, Marcus Rashford squeezed in to the England squad right at the death. Jaden Sancho isn't, so he'll be left behind training at Carrington. They'll have a short break and then they'll return for some friendlies. So Sancho will be at home and Marcus Rashford will be on the plane. Will he get any game time? I'm not too sure. I think ahead of him at the moment in those positions, you have Saka and Sterling. They'll probably start with the shirts. I think Phil Foden is more of a case than Marcus Rashford. And even ahead of him, you have uh, Jack Grealish as well. Even though previously Southgate hasn't been a big fan of Grealish, I still believe they're all going to be ahead of Marcus Rashford. But Rashford does give you a different option. He is much pacier than all of these players and uh, he does give you a different type of dynamic if you want to change the style up. But Southgate isn't known for changing his style. So I do believe that Marcus Rashford will spend the vast majority of this tournament on the bench. The last player that we'll talk about is Ganacho because he did open up this episode with his winning goal against Fulham. All the talk this week should have been about Ganacho, but unfortunately it's been about Cristiano Ronaldo and his interview with Piers Morgan. That was a phenomenal goal and every time he's played so far this season, he has made a difference. He's definitely one for the future. I believe if he had a couple more games under his belt or a few more starts, then Ganacho would have forced his way into this Argentina squad. He's been in a uh, preliminary squad before, so he does have experience being around this Argentina squad. I just feel that he just didn't do enough or it was too little too late for him to squeeze in. But again, he would have given them a different option with his pace and with his skill. Much like Rashford gives England that option, I believe Ganacho should have been a player that Argentina took. 
Obviously, later on down the line, if he continues on with his development, he will be a player who does play for his country. But as I said, I don't believe he had enough games under his belt to make a case. And Ganacho does ultimately miss out, despite me feeling that he would be a good option for Argentina in games that are tied and, and need somebody to come on and open them up with a little bit of pace in the final 20 minutes. I believe Ganacho, much like Rashford, would have been perfect for doing that for Argentina. Another few players we'll mention here. We're moving away from the positional format as we finish up this show. We'll talk about the Dutch squad where Tyrell Malassia has surprisingly made the squad for Holland and um, Donny van der Beek hasn't. So Donny van der Beek, he was warned about this. In fact, when um, Durian Timber of Ajax was supposed to move to Manchester United, he was warned about game time, although it doesn't seem to matter for Nathan Ake of Manchester City, who has also made the Dutch squad. Uh, but Tyrell Malassia has made it and uh, Donny van der Beek hasn't. If you look at the midfield that Holland have, it's definitely not one of the strongest in the competition. So for Donny van der Beek to miss the squad completely really does tell you where his career is at at the moment. So he definitely needs a move away from Manchester United in order to get himself back into this Dutch squad and to just generally get his career back on track because I just don't ever think he's going to make it as a Manchester United player. Last special mention I want to give to is Edson Cavani. Of course, Cavani left Manchester United in the summer, but he's still going to be at this World Cup. He's still doing his thing for Uruguay. Uruguay still pick Cavani, they still pick Luis Suarez, and they even pick Diego Godin. He's still in their squad as well. So despite the fact the old guards still get there, there are still some young players coming through. When you look at Darwin Nunes for Liverpool, he's going to be a key player for Uruguay. And I do think Uruguay are going to be a big threat in Portugal's group, especially if Portugal are somewhat overwhelmed and distracted by this entire Cristiano Ronaldo situation. So I've left out Ronaldo on purpose. I'm going to talk about what I feel he's going to do in this tournament. He certainly feels like he's going to have a big tournament. He literally said that to Piers Morgan, but he said a lot and we are going to be dissecting it all on Saturday's show. I believe that um, I need a little bit of time to go through it. Otherwise, it will end up just being as long as the interview, which was 90 minutes. Um, it's rare for Ronaldo to get 90 minutes this season, but Piers Morgan was happy to give him 90 minutes, unlike Eric Ten Hag. Um, we'll try and give it about 30 minutes. We'll try and uh, condense it down to 30 minutes as I react to this interview, react to the key parts, and ultimately give my verdict on Cristiano Ronaldo. And that will probably be, give or take another major incident, that will probably be the final edition of BetMUFC until we come back to cover the first EPL game back, which is Manchester United at home to Nottingham Forest. So until then, that's it for this episode of BetMUFC. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.